All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I am your host, Aaron Freeman. Today I am joined by Eric Robinson of the Falcoholic. He is here with me to recap the Falcons' Week 8 win over the New York Jets. You are locked on Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, Eric, welcome back to the show. Uh, glad to have you doing one of these game recaps. You know, you get the the lucky break of being the guy that gets to do one after a win. Um, appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. Those are always better. Yes. Always. <laughs> always. I can I can certainly speak from experience with that. Um, but let's get into it. Let's talk about this game. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious um, just to get your perspective. A lot of people are talking about sort of, you know, a lot of people all year long have been talking about the rises and falls of this Falcons offense. I'm curious, what has been your perspective on that? Share with that to the listeners as, you know, as you've seen this Falcons offense through its first six games. And was there anything that changed in your eyes in the seventh game from what you saw in, you know, positive or negative? Well, you know, where do you fall on that, uh, on that stance or that take or whatever? I mean, everybody, who pays attention to the game can obviously see that this is not the same offense as last year. Um, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot to, to, to view that and, and see it. Um, they're making strides um, slowly. I saw a little bit yesterday um, and some of the improvements that I saw over the course of the three game losing streak and, and, you know, up to the season, up to this point anyway, I mean, I, I saw some improvements, especially on the offensive line. Matt Ryan had more of, you know, a, a lot more cleaner pockets against the Jets. They only gave up one sack, which is which is notable um, in, from from my uh, point of view. But, you know, it, it's going to take some time, you know, and and I, I honestly can say that the hiring of Steve Sarkeesian, I was very high on coming into the season. Um, I felt that his scheme was going to be tweaked here and there slightly but not overall adjusted to the point of where we see a totally different offense. Um, but we've gotten to the point now where we're almost at midseason and he's still trying to fill his way, which is still a slight concern um, from based on the fact that Sarkeesian has experience as a play caller. This is not his first time calling plays. He's done it at the collegiate level before. He's done it, you know, um, as a head coach at two different stops um, as well. So, I mean, you know – him trying to get a feel he came in in February so him trying to get a feel of his personnel halfway through the season is kind of bothersome to me I still feel that he's trying to understand what he has on the field and how to utilize it and that's somewhat of an issue to me because you've been in been in place since February you've had training camp you've had preseason you know like I said it's, it's almost week eight and you're still trying to understand what you have so I, but I did see some strides yesterday, and and I hope he improves on that as a play caller going forward. Um, you talked about him trying to figure things out with his personnel. Um, were there specific things that you saw that, he, in terms of those improvements that you're talking about, that you would like to continue to see the Falcons do uh, throughout the rest of this uh, 2017 season? Um, I, he figured there. He figured out yesterday, in my opinion, that having Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu in the slot creates a ton of mismatches that he can take advantage of. Um, there are times where I get it, you know, having Julio on the boundary one-on-one with the corner, you know, a lot of times you're going to take that. I get it. 
But there are some times where Julio can not be covered whatsoever if he's lined up in the slot. And same way with, with Sanu. There are times where Sanu is in the slot and he's pretty much, you know, it, it's tough to cover him with his with those long arms and, and his, his big catch radius. Um, as far as the run game goes, I need to see a, a little more improvement in the run game. And it's not really the execution of the run game is just more of, I feel like the run game is good enough for the team to actually lean on at times. I feel that at times he's gotten away from the run game. Why? I have no idea. Um, a couple games come to mind is the Miami game. For example, he had a couple bad runs in the second half and he just completely tossed the run game to the side. Um, it's a problem in my opinion, that two games that stand out in this season, um, Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman combined for 18 rushes. I feel like they should do that by halftime, not over a span of the entire game. Um, yesterday, I believe they had 26 combined rushes, which is a slight improvement. But I feel like this run game sets so much up that it should be a little bit more relied on going forward. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's one of those things where, um, you know, I think people were, you know, I remember seeing people yesterday and today complaining about sort of the predictability of the Falcons with how much they were running the ball on first downs uh, against the Jets. And my perspective on that is like the running game is like the best part of this offense. I, you know, they, it was, it was very effective early in the game. I know with Devonte Freeman in terms of his like success rate on first down runs in the first half of the game, he was like four for five, he was 80%, which is exactly what you want. Um, right. with that. So it's like, why would you abandon that when it's working? And right. I, I think, yeah, I think, you know, you look at, you know, you look at the advanced metrics with like DVOA, I think the Falcons are went into Sunday number two behind Dallas mm-hmm. in terms of having the best running game. I know prior to last week, it was number one uh, mm-hmm. to that Patriots game. So it's like, when you look at the, the offense and, and some of the struggles, what you want is sort of a, a level of consistency. And I think the run game provides that. And some of the issues they've had offensively has been when they've turned a little bit too much to the pass and sort of, you know, the idea of, you know, maybe they should let Matt Ryan call the plays and go more no huddle. Like, like you know, I get the the preference to sort of want to sprinkle in a little bit more no huddle in, in certain situations. Certainly I'm, I'm for that, but you know, I think handing the keys over completely or mostly to Matt Ryan in the no huddle offense, I just don't think that's really going to get them nope. to where they need to go. And I, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, you, if you can run the ball effectively, you can build off of that with the play action. We saw the play action work this past Sunday against the Jets very effectively. Um, and, you know, not so much the previous weeks. And I don't think it's a coincidence that those were some of the games where the Falcons didn't do sort of the cliche thing which is, you know, try to establish that running game early in the game. And I think they did that against the Jets. And I think when you when you do that, at least for this offense, maybe not for every other team in the league, you can uh, you can find success as the game wears on. And, and, and I think that's also a testament of fans getting somewhat spoiled. They feel that every carry should go for four or five, six yards. It's, that's not going to be the case. You know, there are going to be some times where, the predictability of running the football is going to end up in the offense getting possibly a three and out. It happens in this league. It's not the end of the world. You know, yesterday, like I said, they combined for 26 rushes and I believe they had over 130 yards on the ground, which is which is good. But I think they're capable of a lot more. 
Um, so getting Devontae established early, getting Tevin established early, to me, is going to open up so much because coming into the game, what is the main focus of defense is coming into the game? Stopping Julio Jones, right? Yeah. Uh, why not bring that attention off of Julio slightly and, you know, get back to that one-two punch that you have? I mean, take advantage of it. It's there. Not a lot of teams have it. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, if we were like the, the 12th best running team in the league or something like that, then I could understand not overemphasizing it. But when we are been as effective and particularly Devontae, like Devontae has been amazing this year. And the only reason he's not leading the NFL in rushing is because of the run. presence of Tevin Coleman and because the, there have been various times this year when they sort of went away from running the football. Um, as you know, he's if he's not number one, he's certainly top three in terms of the efficiency he he's been this year so um it was the i think it was the miami game where he only had nine rushes and i believe seven of them came in the first half that's a huge problem for a guy that they just paid in the offseason and you know he's had pro bowl seasons back to back i mean it it, it, it's not as if it's not working yeah it is working at times it's just that at times sarkeesian simply forgets that he has arguably the best one-two punch in the game yeah. He gets away from it. Yeah, you know, I, I think at this point with Sark, as as far as I'm concerned, like he he has shown a, an inclination or a tendency, you know, that when it comes to the sort of the passing game, we're not gonna have the sort of complexities in the passing game that where we can rely on that as we did towards the end of twenty sixteen when we, we started to feature a lot more of Taylor Gabriel in the offense and whatnot and Less of the offense was based off of the play action. Less of the offense was sort of based off of, you know, the um, the ground and pound sort of style that we started the season, you know, doing quite a lot, especially relative to most teams where we were like, you know, second or, or dead last in the league in terms of how many three wide receiver sets we mm-hmm. used a year ago. And, like, I think, you know, predictability I don't think is a problem when you can execute it to the level that the Falcons have been executing this year. Exactly. Um, and I, you know, I think at this point in time, you just got to make teams, you know, if they can stop it, kudos to them. You know, the, the Jets did a good job in the second half, slowing down the Falcons run game. I think that sort of stalled their offense a little bit in the second, in the third quarter. But I think because they had established it earlier in that game, it created opportunities for them to get some big plays later on. Uh, I mean, include that Julio it, play. I kind of I, I want to utilize their scheme a couple of years ago, but when the Panthers went on a Super Bowl run, how predictable was that offense? But it was a matter, it got to a point in the season where it was a matter of just simply stopping them and no one could. I really don't care about predictability. What I care about is getting balance in the offense and having it run very organized. There's been a few games this year where this offense just looks as if there's no direction, there's no sense of approach, there's no... There's no, you know, scheme. There's no scheme actually, you know, installed before the game. It's just more of a, hey, let's see what works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they kind of got back to that yesterday. And I, I said before the game, I said I, I, I feel that if Sark is going to make strides, it's not going to happen in one game, and it's definitely not going to happen strictly against the Jets. It's going to have to, you know, weeks on in. But like I said, I, I saw progress yesterday, and I, hopefully, you know, they can build on that going forward. Well, I hope you guys are enjoying this episode of the Locked on Falcons podcast. Maybe you also want to check out my good friend Brad Rowland on the Locked on Hawks 
podcast to get all your insight into the NBA. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find Locked On Hawks on Apple, Android, and everywhere podcasts can be found. Let's switch gears and let's talk a little bit about this Falcons defense. Um, I know from my perspective, I thought it was probably their best performance we've seen from them this year. It was the first time other than the Lions game, um, I said on yesterday's show, um, that they really were effective at stopping the run. And, and, you know, the Lions game, the Lions offensive line is not particularly good. But, you know, the Lions basically abandoned the run at a certain point in the game. And it seemed like the Jets at least stayed somewhat committed to the running the football uh, throughout uh, yesterday's game. And to see the Falcons be able to stop that, I think, is a certainly a good sign. I won't necessarily, you know, considering some of the struggles they've had stopping the run at this point in time, I'd have to say it's more of an outlier in terms of their overall body of work, but I hope it's something that they can build off of. Um, what were your thoughts on the defensive performance yesterday? You know, I, I've said it before, and and I, I think a lot of people overlook it often. This defense has been really good this year. Um, it's It hasn't been to the level of, you know, Seattle or Denver or even Carolina for that matter. Um, but what I've seen a lot from this defense is that when they truly need to get a stop, they get stops. Granted, I would love to see the turnover numbers increase. Everybody would. But what I see a lot from this defense now is that they've, they, they're getting a lot more three and outs now than we've seen in the past. And it's kind of, it's kind of weird. You know, we're not used to seeing a defense go out there and say, Hey, can you guys get us a stop? Next thing you know, three plays later, they're punting. Um, so the defense has improved in my opinion. Um, the run game, the run defense was a wall yesterday. And I think a lot of it has to deal with the fact that Atiba Rubin was in place and his signing, uh, it showed up yesterday. He is definitely a plug in the middle that is hard to move. And when you got a guy that, you know, can barely, you know, he, he can fight double teams and still be able to make plays. That's a huge advantage going forward, especially when you play offenses that run that, you know, their schemes predicated on run, i.e. Carolina coming this Sunday. So um, the defense has improved, in my opinion. I, I would love to see the, the turnovers increase. Everybody would. Um, I would love to see the sacks kind of sort of take a spike as well. Um, but overall, this is the 11th ranked defense in the league. And I, I, believe it or not, they have played pretty solid for them overall. Um were there, you know, other than the top of Ruben, were there other standouts that you saw on the, on the defensive side of the ball? Um, I'm also curious, what are your thoughts on sort of, you know, I know at least on Twitter yesterday, a lot of people were very upset that Desmond Trufant gave up that touchdown. What what have been your thoughts on, on Trufant's play this year and, and that play in particular? In, in Inside the- of that one play, what other play can we really call that says he got beat? I mean... He got he got beat by Kalen Clay and, and and Tyrod Taylor overthrew him. But other than that play in the Bills game, he you did. Know, I, you know, I think there's not a coincidence that you get a guy that can run run a sub four four forty against him and run a go route with him. He can be vulnerable to that. But uh, we saw Terrell Pryor do that to them. You know, two two years ago we, in the preseason. Um, but other than that, yeah, I don't think there's been too many instances where maybe you maybe you see you, maybe you see this also from Trufant, but I think a lot of whatever 
small issues that we see here and there with Trufon, I think it's more predicated on him thinking more than actually reacting. I think he's 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 bringing his mental aspect to the game, and it's he's kind of he he he's trying to be technical with his with his skill set. In my opinion, I that's how I look at it. I mean, I, I feel like a guy like him, he's out there thinking too much, and you know it has you know shown slight glimpses of vulnerability i mean it did yesterday with the robbie anderson test down but i mean outside of that you know outside of the two plays he had in the detroit game where he just looked out of it completely with the penalties i mean can we really say he's having a bad year what is really a bad year for him i mean to to at least I don't know if it's a bad year relative to some of the years he's had, but at least relative to what we, our perception of some of the years he's had, like I think we perceive that he's been this perfect cornerback that has never been beat ever before. And so when he gets beat, people freak out about it for some reason. Um, and I think, you know, I think he's having a good, certainly statistically, he's having an amazing season. Um, and it's right on par with some of the other statistical seasons he's had in the past. So I don't feel like there should be any difference in the opinion of it. It's just, I guess the couple of times he's gotten got, it's been a little bit more shocking to people than it normally is when he, you know, when he gets got before it's like, Oh, he just gave up uh, a comeback route that went for 17 yards or something like that, as opposed to giving up a a 25 yard touchdown or something on a a go on a go route. Like, Yeah. yeah, it has, I, I get that. I get that completely. Yeah. You know, and, Again, there's been a few times this year, like I said, where it looks as if he's out there thinking more than actually reacting and playing. Um, and I, I think he's fine. You know, I'm not going to say it's a I'm not going to say it's a really good year. You know, I'm not going to say it's a bad year. Either. I mean, I it's not we're acting like he's getting beat on every play. He's probably giving up at least one play a game, if that. Um. We, I mean, I didn't. I didn't hear anything about him having a bad year against Green Bay. Yeah, he was arguably the best player on the field that day. I mean, it happens. He gave up a play against Robbie Anderson. But you, the, here's the thing with this with with the fans and and even the players in this league. He gives up a play. I get it, but you got to move on from it, man. You can't sit on that. And he gave up a touchdown yesterday. But outside of that. When did did he did he really get beat any at any other point since then? From that point on, yeah. He, um, he yeah, they, they they I think Anderson had another catch against them when they used a pick route where they ran a cross route with right. him all the way across the field where he had to like run around like three different guys in order to try to catch up with Anderson. That was just smart play calling, you know. When you play the Falcons in their man scheme, right. pick routes and in and those sort of. Um, crossers like that give them a little bit more trouble than they would if they you know they played a, a strict zone and they were passing guys off one to one so like that that's the only instance but obviously that's a much more forgivable sin than so so-called getting roasted on a, on a go route or whatever people say right i mean he was he again he was fine in my opinion i, I really don't i'm not paying too much attention to that um but one guy that did stand out and i feel he's having a serious consideration for a pro, for the Pro Bowl this year is Grady Jarrett. I mean, he's playing lights out this year, man. 
I really like what I'm seeing from from Grady Jarrett. Um, you can you can legitimately make a case that he's been the best defensive lineman this year um, on the Falcons. I would, with- I would like to hear someone not make that case. That's the right. Uh, right. I want to see who would make the case that he's not the best he's defensive not. lineman. Yeah, I, I don't. I this guy has really built on you know, his Super Bowl performance and he is he seems to be getting better by the week and it's scary, man. Like his get off on the snap is textbook, you know, and and he gives interior offensive linemen issues. Um so I'm liking what I'm seeing from him this year. Um Keanu Neal, he's having a, a potential Pro Bowl year. Um outs you know, his his test down that he gave up on the first drive, that was kind of confusing because it he ran himself out of the play completely. But I can forgive him for that. Yeah. You know, it happened. It happened. And from that point on, he was lights out. Um, I absolutely love the hit that he put on Safarian Jenkins at the end of the game. And, you know, Safarian Jenkins looked like he was getting ready to cough up blood or something, man. He was not himself afterwards. But, but yeah, those two guys, Keanu Neal and Grady Jarrett, those guys stood out to me yesterday. And they've been standing out on defense this entire year. I agree. I agree. I think they've been the two guys that have been, you know, other than Trufant, um, have been the two most consistently good players on on defense throughout this entire season. They don't have bad games. They have bad plays, you know, and that's sort of the difference um, between them and the probably, you know, the next tier of Falcon defenders where not to say that they've had bad games, but they probably had games where it's like, oh, you didn't really notice them outside of maybe a play or two here. Um, And and so, you know, that's what you want. That's, those are, those are what you're talking about with the pro bowl caliber guys. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, they consistently bring it week to week, whether they get the, you know, the pro bowl votes and whatnot. Cause you know, with safeties, it's like how many picks you have, how, you know, with defensive tackles, how many sacks you have. It's, it's all those sort of things. Well, when uh, they, when it comes to guys like Desmond Trufant, that's never going to register because yeah. he's really a, a high interception number guy. I mean, I think it, in the three years he played at Washington, he had like four career interceptions. So he just, that's just not him. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that, those are going to be the things that prevent them from potentially, you know, if we're, if we're talking about it, them going to, to Hawaii or, or wherever the Pro Bowl is now. I have no idea. I don't watch it. But, um, <laughs> I don't think uh, anybody does. <laughs> but, um, but it doesn't mean that they aren't, you know, like when I when I call people Pro Bowl caliber, I'm I'm saying like, oh, he's one of the five to ten best players at his position. And I think you can certainly make the case for all three of those guys. And hopefully some of these other guys um, start making that case moving forward. I thought Deion Jones had a good game. I liked that, um, uh, you know, I've been picking on Deion Jones quite a bit um, these last couple of weeks with some of the issues with the Falcons run defense, really the linebackers in general, but I, I point the finger mostly at Deion Jones just because I, I feel like he needs to be better. But I thought the linebackers played better. Uh, I think they were much more disciplined. I like the wrinkle that the Falcons had, Vic Beasley playing Sam linebacker um, yes. in, in, in moving Campbell to the weak side. Um, yes. Other than that first play where I think Campbell did a poor job setting the edge that led to Powell getting like a 12-yard gain on the first snap. Like right. I thought he did a good job there. You know, I, I think he's shown improvement this year as well. Yeah, no. So I, I think um, for the most part, the linebacker play was really solid. You know, I've been 
I've been killing the linebackers the last couple of games. So is is, is that a res- is that a result of Duke Riley not actually being on the field? Look, I think I think Duke Riley's gotten a bad rap because he's he's missed a ton of tackles, which is understandable why people criticize him. I feel like for unfairly he's been sort of he's being blamed for the the issues with the linebackers play and I think it's really been a collective issue that the linebackers haven't really played all that well but I, I do I like the fact that they instead of just pushing Kamal Ishmael out there as the full-time weak side guy they sort of split reps between him and, and Beasley being that third linebacker and because of Campbell's versatility to play either outside linebacker spot I think it you know, for the meantime, over the next month or so, um, I think it does a really good job of um, getting more athleticism on the field with, with Beasley out there, just because I think um, one of the things I said last week was, I hope this, you know, this absence of Duke Riley would be an opportunity to see more of Jermaine Grace, just because he's so much more of an athlete than either Sean Weatherspoon or Kamal Ishmael would. But I think the idea of putting Beasley out there instead, you know, you're getting another athlete out there that is arguably probably other than Julio Jones, the best athlete on the roster. And so um, having him out there, I think was a smart way of sort of uh, accomplishing that without having to throw a guy like grace out there for, you know, X number of snaps every, every game. I mean, I, I and, and you're right, you know, Duke Riley has gotten a bad rap. Um, his missed tackles are obvious. We can't ignore that. But I, I keep stressing the fact that this guy literally only played, essentially, only played one year at LSU. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't expect him to come in and, you know, make every tackle or, you know, fill every gap. But, you know, I, I expected some, you know, some rough some rough edges to him. I mean, like I said, this guy's really only played one year. He had three years of special teams, which means he, you know, he rarely saw the field. And he, he had the one year. Where he was he was solid. He wasn't great, but he was he was decent. Um, so he's he's going to have to improve. Um, but going forward, you know, the linebacker core is starting to improve. I do, and you pointed out with with Kamal Ishmael, I do like the fact that you know it's the defense is not being force fed Kamal on the field for 60, 70 snaps. You know, it's easy. You know, they're incorporating it here and there. And I, and I like that. I think that's going to help going forward. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how how they do with with Weatherspoon now. Now that he's, you know, back on the roster to see how much playing time he gets. Um, but and, and you brought up Jermaine Grace. I, I was on Jermaine Grace from day one. You know, this guy. Is I wonder very, why. <laughs> 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 this guy is very athletic and um, I think he fits you know, this defense to a, to the, to a glove, but it's, it's going to be more of getting reps for him. They can't just really throw him into the fire. And I, I, it's be interesting to see what they do with him uh, as the season progresses as well. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, Yeah. For those of you guys that don't know, Eric is a big Miami fan. So that's, really yeah. No, not just a little bit. Just a little bit, yeah. So, yeah, no, I think that was I think it was a smart strategy. Like, I, I want to see him get reps, but yeah, certainly do you don't want to see him thrown out there for thirty or forty snaps or anything. But like, you know, five reps here, get him a series here or there, just sprinkle yeah. it in. 
you know, yeah. maybe maybe but, maybe midway through the second quarter where it's not a, a sort of a critical situation or something like yeah. that. Yeah, but the last thing I want to see is him out there getting reps and next thing you know, he's going one-on-one with like Gronkowski or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. might as well change the channel at that point. <laughs> Test now, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it will be interesting to see. Has he really, Has he? have you seen him on special teams? I don't even know if I've really he's, seen him. He's, um, yeah, he's been covering kicks pretty consistently when he's been active and uh i think was it i think it was the patriots game they started to work him a little bit more on on the punt team i don't recall if he played on the punt team prior to that but um but yeah it was the patriots game he was active for the patriots game right yes because trip trip was dealing with his concussion right right yeah right. I thought this would be the game with Tripp being out, with Duke Riley being shelved. I thought, you know, with an opponent like the Jets, I thought this would be a game where we will actually see him on the field in sub packages. Um, but we, but we didn't. I, I felt it was the perfect game for him to get his feet wet. Mm-hmm. Sort of, you know, no pun intended with it raining yesterday. But, um, yeah, I, I felt this was the perfect game for him. I mean, the Jets are not really juggernauts on offense and, and it will be interesting to see how he acclimates himself against that. But, uh, you know, we didn't. So the last thing I fear, well, well, the one thing that I do fear, the last thing that I hope that I don't see going down the stretch is that he's getting playing time in division games where they, you know, those games are really going to matter going forward. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see if he gets some reps this week against Carolina. I don't necessarily think throwing him out there against Dallas's run game is probably no. the first, the smartest strategy if you're no. going to start getting him reps. You know, you want to build to towards Zeke Elliott and company a little maybe, bit, maybe. Yeah, and, and you know, having him out there against a Carolina team that doesn't have Greg Olson, you know, I, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, you know, I, I try to avoid the situations where it's him on Christian McCaffrey one on one. You know, even though I know McCaffrey's not having the world's greatest season, I just don't want him to have the opportunity to start making plays just because no. he gets to pick on a fellow rookie. Um, or, you know, or get the space where he's going up against Alvin Kamara. Like, that would be... Yeah. Wouldn't want to see that, man. I was just thinking, like, oh, man, we got to... I, I keep forgetting about Kamara. Like, oh, McCaffrey's... We got to deal with McCaffrey for the next seven to ten years. Oh, and yeah, we got to deal with Alvin Kamara for the next seven to ten years. That's going to be fun. Oh man, <laughs> you, just, you caught me. You caught me thinking about the 2022 Falcons defense and whatnot dealing with Alvin Kamara. Um, yeah. All right. Um, were there any other thoughts that you had about this Jets game? Any other performances that you thought stood out to you, um, or any things that you're you're hoping to see this team continue to do uh, for the rest it's, of the year? It's a win. It's a win. A team that was on a three-game losing streak. I, I, I'm trying to figure out why fans are complaining. It's a win. Yeah, they didn't blow them out. I get it. But it's a win. A team that desperately needed a win. Something. Because this season was going to the toilet going into this game. And they needed something. I would take a 25-20 win over a... loss any, I don't care. I care less about moral victories. It's a win. The the players accepted it. Why can't the fans? I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, the thing I'll say is I don't think, I I think if people are waiting for that 2016 team to to come back through the door, 
and this team's going to start blowing out teams, I think they're going to be waiting for a while. Like, I think when this team, you know, they maybe... They really teams out early in the season last year. Let's keep in mind, they struggled against Tampa to open the season. They barely put away Oakland on the road last year. They lost to San Diego, lost to the Chargers in overtime. They didn't really blow anybody out early in the season. They struggled against the Eagles, a non-playoff team. They had a rookie quarterback and and no running game. They didn't really blow anybody out, like you stated, until late in the year when they you know went on the road and, and demolished the Rams and they embarrassed the Niners. And that's when it happened. At this point last year, they were not blowing people out. They were still they were winning games. Let's keep in mind, I think the win over the Saints on Monday night early last year, was wasn't that like a 10-point win or something like that? I so, mean, like, yeah, the thing they were doing last year was like they would they would put up like 30 points in two quarters. Right. And then they would like sort of half-ass it in the other two quarters where, you know, like I remember the, the week nine game against the Bucks. Uh, I think it was a Thursday night game. Um, like it was a close game up in the first half, and then the Falcons – put the hurt on them in the third quarter and it became a game that the Bucks couldn't play where they right. started playing from behind and they couldn't play in a shootout. And so like, that's what they did. Like, but I, I think this year, like, I don't think that team is, is coming back. Like, I, I don't think we're going to see games where the Falcons put up 17 points in the second quarter, in the third quarter, or come out scoring, you know, on three out of their first touchdowns on three out of the first four drives. Um, you know, I I think it's going to be more games like this Jets game. It's going to be more games like the Lions, like the Bears, like the Bills. Close games. Is it, this is this is from and, and you you make a valid point. I don't think that twenty six team is really going to show itself. You know, I, I think there are going to be some games where this offense does look really really good. But I think for the most part, what we're going to get from this Falcons team is that this team is going to win games where they're going to have to roll the sleeves back a little bit. It's not going to be, it, you're, you're not, I don't, I don't really foresee any games where like when they played the Rams last year, where they just completely annihilated them. Like yeah. I said, it, you're going to get those games where it's going to, it's going to take probably three quarters to put them away. I mean, think about it this way. The Dolphins and the, and the Jets were the two weakest teams on their schedule this year. When, you know, you look at their season, and they lost one of those games, and they kind of barely won the other one. It was, you know, like not to say that there was a bear, like they got lucky or anything, but it was a, a very sloppy win. And so the s- schedule is going to get only harder from this point in time. So I think, you know, this expectation, you know, I, I just think, I think people need to expect that this team is going to have to scrap and claw for every win that they get from here on out. Um, there may be, you know, there may be a game here or there where they look really, really good. Everything clicks. But I yeah. don't think that's gonna. We're gonna get to a point where that's gonna be the team that we can expect to show up every single week. So, I, I think if 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 people are at this point expecting that sort of team to to show up and they're gonna negatively judge this team by winning ugly, I think they're gonna be very disappointed with the rest of the season. Well, uh, I could be well, wrong about that, but but you know. who's to say that's not gonna help the team when playoffs come? You know, those games where it's gonna be because just like last year you know you got to a point last year when they got to the playoffs they were annihilating green bay they knew that at that point that it was over you know it's it, now to me what what i'm learning what i'm seeing from this team is that they're figuring out like hey 
this this may be a, a year where we're gonna have to you know we're gonna have to fist fight for some wins going forward. That's to me that's gonna help them. I mean because they they didn't have that mentality in the Super Bowl where like man we got to fight for four quarters. It's more of a okay we got to lead. It should be over now, right? Like I mean I, I guess that's how their thinking was late in the year last year when they were blowing people out. Now they're getting this mentality of like hey we got we if we're gonna have to put four quarters together we're gonna have to put four quarters together. I think that's gonna help a team when the playoffs come. Yeah, because when the playoffs come, you're rarely going to see those games like you saw against Green Bay, where it's 31 nothing at halftime. I mean, so, I would agree. I would agree. Um, I haven't re- quite reached the point where I assume the playoffs are coming, but uh, if they can win against Carolina, I will. I will get back on that bandwagon. Um, this last month has sort of wrecked my expectations that. This team is is a definite playoff team, but they certainly are are definitely in the running, and we will certainly uh, find out if they have that sort of character. Uh, I can't I can't say they're not. I don't I don't see a team in the NFC that looks downright unstoppable. Maybe the Eagles, um, but outside of that, I mean, the Vikings don't look great. They were down at halftime to the winless Browns yesterday. You know the the Seahawks they can't. I don't. I don't even know if they really had a complete game at all this year. We saw yesterday their defense got torched. Um, you know the the Panthers. They're good, um, but they had ten points going into the fourth quarter yesterday against the Bucks, and they could barely put them away. A Bucks team that could not find anything on offense. Yeah. I, no, I think those are all valid points. I just think you know we're going to find out this week. You know. I, you know, to me, going one and three against the AFC East is, is a bad omen to, uh, to to see what they do. But, you know, right now they're undefeated in the NFC. So maybe they, they for some reason, they're just really awful playing AFC teams. And, and maybe they'll be, you know, really good this week. So um, we'll, we'll find out. But, uh, right. Yeah, we'll see. Like, I, you know, I don't want to sound like I, I don't think they can make the playoffs. I'm just, I just at a point right now until they, you know, basically until they beat Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to assume that they're a playoff team at this point. I think they're, you know, they're in the mix. And you're right; the NFC is by no means full of any juggernauts. Um, right. But you know, right now, you look at the division race. Right now, I don't think you can, at this point in the season, say, "Oh yeah, the Falcons are clearly the best team in the NFC South." They have the potential to be, um, yeah. but you know, we'll find out this weekend. They'll they'll certainly make their case. For that, uh, if they beat Carolina, then we can start making that claim. But right. until that happens, we'll see. All right, Eric, uh, let the people know where they can find you on Twitter if they have any agreements or disagreements with your takes <laughs> that you express on this podcast, as well as where some of your upcoming writing will be at. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Um, yeah, I, I when it comes to Twitter. Twitter is a fascinating universe, man. You you experience something different every day. So just find me on there and, yeah, let's just fire the hot takes away, I guess. All right. Appreciate it, Eric. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we will be talking quite a bit as the season unfolds. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and disagreeing and agreeing on, <laughs> on various things, as is often the case. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Take it easy. So, guys, um, I didn't mention this at the top of the show, but as usual, we we are giving away a 
a free Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. Uh, with that, you get player grades, snap counts, statistics, fantasy tools and charts, draft articles. If you want to get ahead on your draft buzz, you can do that through the power of Pro Football Focus. Um, it's a $40 value. Um, how do you get this free Pro Football Focus Edge subscription? By all means, you got to go to Locked On Falcons on iTunes. Uh, give a five-star review. Leave your Twitter handle in the review, and at the end of each week, some lucky uh, Locked On Falcons fan will be chosen to win that free Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. And if you do not happen to win that drawing, uh, you can still check out all the great Pro Football Focus content on the Locked On Podcast Network. Check out Mike Renner every Wednesday on Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson. Check out Jeff Ratcliffe, the director of fantasy for Pro Football Focus on Locked On Fantasy with Vinny Iyer every Thursday. Yeah, that's it. You know, uh, I should let you guys know our schedule for this week is going to be a little bit different. Um, tomorrow's episode will be the standard All-22 slash Q&A. So if you have any questions... Uh, send those in. I will give you the the ways and methods in our standard outro in a bit uh, on how you can submit those questions and comments and suggestions and all that type of stuff. Um, But Thursday's episode, we will probably have a fan talk instead of the usual preview episode just because of the schedule issues, trying to coordinate with the host of Locked On Panthers. Um, That will probably be pushed back to Friday. Um, there's also a decent chance that we will have an extra fan talk, um, as well this week. I haven't made the decision yet as to whether that will be a Saturday show or it'll probably be a Saturday show. Um, I just haven't officially decided yet, but in all likelihood, it'll, it'll be the Saturday show. So Thursday fan talk, Saturday fan talk, uh, sandwiching a, a crossover locked on Panthers week nine preview show. Um, I hope that makes up for the fan talks that I've missed the last couple of weeks. Um, I, I, I wanted to get this, the, basically the Saturday one I wanted to get last week, but due to coordinations, I couldn't get it work and I had to push it back this week. And I was hoping, you know, peeking behind the court and I was hoping I could do two fan talks in a one, but due to the, having to move around other stuff, um, it's just going to be two separate fan talks. So if you don't like that, then please, by all means, let me know. How can you do that? Then um, tweet at me. My Twitter handle is Falcfans. Um, if you want to tweet specifically about the podcast, the easiest way of doing that is Locked on Falcons. Otherwise, you have to waste some of your precious character limit by tweeting at Falcfans by letting me know it's podcast related as opposed to a general thought on you know my general perspective on things that People often want to share with me. Uh, if you do not like those character limits, then you can email lockedonfalcons at mail.com is the email address. Also, Facebook has no character limits as well. Our Facebook page is Locked on Falcons, as you might have guessed. Give us a like while you are there as well. Um, falcfans.com currently is the home of where this podcast is posted daily. You can leave a comment there. Soon we will have content up on Locked On Falcons, or current content, I should say. Uh, We have old content on Locked On Falcons, but if you guys haven't been listening to the last couple of episodes, we have a new website thanks to the partnership with FanRag Sports. Locked On Falcons, this will be the new home of the uh, podcast as opposed to audioboom.com, which will no longer be hosting uh, future episodes of this podcast. 
but uh, you still should be able to find it on all your podcast platforms throughout the interwebs. And uh, that's it, guys. Um, yeah. You know, this is the point where I'm supposed to say, you know, stay locked on, rise up, and in brotherhood. But I just don't feel like saying those things this week. So. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.